Thank you so much. I already feel part of this community. So we had a great men's camp over the weekend. A bunch of guys were there. Apparently, the girls are now organizing a, a, a men's camp for the girls. Do you know about that? Because it's so cool. They're just going to call it the girls' camp or the men's camp for the girls. I want to get a few testimonies. So Mark, if you can come up and swim, um, they're just going to share. And um, really such a... Sven. Sven. Great. Um, just, just to give you a heads up, I'm really so tired of speaking English. I'm Afri- Afrikaans. I'm like, my vocal cords are struggling with the English this morning. So please help me. Please pray. Pray for, pray for my vocal cords and for my family back home. Cool. Morning, everyone. Um, so on the way up to uh, men's camp this weekend, uh, the one thing that I was trusting for was... Uh, a heart revelation. So I've had lots of head revelation, like understanding, but I really felt I needed a heart revelation about God. And um, yeah, just because I just felt like in that particular area, I need a breakthrough. So we did an exercise on the Friday night, uh, collectively, where we all did it together. And part of it was taking a, a situation where we had, that we identified as having a lot of pain, and, um, and then how, where God was in that situation. So the situation that I had was about, probably about five years ago, and um, I'd gone through a lot of pain, and I'd, up to that point I'd been handling it okay. And then in that moment, I remember a particular night where it was like middle of the night, I was in my garage at home, and I just kind of broke down. I like physically started hitting the walls and the doors and just like emotionally just completely broke down. And... Subsequently felt like I'd come, I'd worked through that stuff, you know, and got to a better point. But that was identified, or God, the Holy Spirit identified that to me as a point of, that there, was, um, that there was pain and there was suffering and something that God wanted to show me in it. So we went through the exercise and the first thing we see was where, was where was Christ in that situation? And I immediately saw Christ standing in the corner of the garage, watching me have my moment, you know, kind of letting me go through that. And I like, broke down and started crying. And, um, and, then, and then we moved on through the exercise. And I felt like I just didn't get closure. Like I didn't take the, the next step of the exercise. Like that was amazing, but it wasn't, God wasn't done yet. So later, um, more, and uh, I think it was Steve. I can't remember who else was there. Sorry. Someone was, was praying for me. And uh, we went through it again. And it changed from Christ standing in the corner of the garage watching me have this moment to just um, to stepping into that moment and giving me like a proper big man hug and um, one arm under the arm put the other one over the shoulder and just holding me and um, I am a I'm a hugger like that's a very important thing for me so in crying again I started laughing because it was just such an amazing image that Christ gave me for that and um, and immediately just felt that the point of the exercise and that peace come into the situation, you know, and release from, from the hurt that had come from that. And ultimately what that led to was um, me being able to give the people and properly forgive the people involved. Like, um, the more asked me, do you feel like you can forgive them now? And I said, yes. And I was like, previously, if you'd asked me that half an hour ago, I would have said, no, I'm sorry, I actually can't. I'll be real, I can't. Um. So that was an amazing an amazing release, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I just want to publicly honor Amor just for the man he is, just his heart for God and for, for challenging us. We went there asking for breakthrough, and within an hour we went deep, very deep. So it's just unique to have an environment where men drop their guard, drop their pride, left their ego at the door. We're vulnerable, we're emotional. Now, these are not normally words associated with men, but within an hour that's where we were, and that's where it started, and we still had another couple sessions after that. So. I think that was amazing, and that's what I asked for the guys, that we can each just take a little piece of that into the, into the community, into the future, even if we meet monthly, just to try and replicate a little piece of that. Um, and for me personally, I've just felt a bit of a barrier or disconnect. Um, I've got a calling over my life for men's ministry, but I just didn't quite know how to do it, what to do. And I think it was in my head, there was just a barrier that I, I wasn't receiving God, so he, he couldn't flow through me. And Amor held my hands and prayed for me, and I just felt that barrier drop, and the Holy Spirit just fill my body. So, thank you. And there's, there's a few other testimonies, but the guys are still a little shy, but we'll force them at the end of the, end of the service. I'm going to call you forward. You know who you are. No, I'm joking. I won't do that. Okay, so, um, well, just such a privilege to, to share with you and share with with you guys and in community. I love, I love camps because it's not a, not a come in and go out. It's a really connecting on a very, very deep level. And I also know that if you, if you can challenge somebody in a camp and you can do it for three days, it's so much better than just a sermon because we're supposed to do life together. We're supposed to share intimacy. That's why the coronavirus is actually a thing from the devil, the biggest for me, not, not because it kills people. Obviously, that's God doesn't like that. That's not God's heart, but it actually... Uh, takes people away from intimacy with, with other people. And as a church, I think we just we need to think of, there's a song Jason Upton sings. He, he says, if I was a wise bird, I would go where the scarecrows are because there I know I'll find the good fruit. So there's so many scarecrows surrounding this specific thing. It's like the devil is trying to cover up a work of the Lord. Um, if, if the coronavirus can spread like it's spreading, imagine the gospel, imagine the power of God, imagine revival spreading. Um, and, it's, and it's like a little virus. God is massive. He would stomp on that virus very, very easily. So there's something God's going to do and he's, he's busy doing in our community. And, and uh, I love just the way that we were led just to pray and say, okay, God, but this is not a fear time. This is a God time. This is a God, God opportunity. And yeah, before we, before we start, just, I want to just release a few words that I felt just specific for this community, but it could be for the wider community, Belita. As we came in here, I just felt like God's releasing entrepreneurship into the community, or has already released that, rather. Um, I don't know if you guys realize, but just in connecting with all of you, all of you are busy with an idea, and, uh, and all of you are very creative. And if you, if you take creativity as a gift and you put it in business, you get entrepreneurship. And it's something that's very, very um, uh, ex- like available in this, in this community. So I just want to bless you, bless you with that. Um, then also what I'm, once I'm, what I'm sensing God's doing is to see that as a kingdom work. It's not like a, how we're doing church on a Sunday and we do entrepreneurship or business during the week. But it's a, it's a, God, it's a God work. And we really need to fight this divide, secular, sacred divide. And I'm, I'm trusting that you guys are going to do this. It's, it's, not, it's not Sunday church. It's, the question is not what you did on a Sunday morning. The question is what are you going to do on a Monday, on a Monday morning. And there's incredible 
wealth in this community, heavenly resources, resources that's not even made available because you haven't really contended for it. But if you start contending for it, it's going to blow up. It's going to be massive. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray now, and I want you if, you, if you're an entrepreneur, if you feel like you're called to that, um, I'm going to trust that the Lord, he, it's not going to be a, just a double anointing. It's going to be an exponential anointing. Because once you steward what God has given you, it's going to increase, because that's just how God, God works. He's, he's, he's just like that. He's like, okay, great, so you steward this, this thing very well. I'm going to give you a thousand and one ideas. And it's not like a thousand and one ideas, uh, 500 of them is going to work. Some of you are going to have that kind of experience, but it could be that all thousand and one will work, because that's how good our God is. Okay, so just, just want to release that over you. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, that you have been depositing into this community, Lord, and I especially feel through the the Indian community, you've deposited into this area a spirit of entrepreneurship, Lord, the ability to see a gap in the market, a solution that will bring about change and transformation, Lord, and and now we just claim entrepreneurship for this community, and we claim it for the kingdom, Lord, and we ask that you release business people from here to change not only Belita, Lord, but beyond the comfort zone of this area, but into, into South Africa. Lord, thank you that you are speaking already to people to move from this area. And, they, and people are going to go to them and say, hey, why are you moving to this, this part of the country? It's not as beautiful. It's not as, as pretty. It's maybe not as, as wealthy as, as Belito, but and, and people are going to say, I'm, gonna, I'm going there because God's saying I need to be obedient. It's where the scarecrows are, but it's also where the good fruit is. And I want to be obedient. Lord, so we just release a supernatural ability to hear from the Lord and also to be obedient um, and to be called beyond the comfort zone um, of what we have currently in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then also I want to tell your wives that you guys have the most incredible, pure, at heart people. Where I, where I grew up, I was a little small town in, in Rawsonville, close to Wooster. So the Buddha, all of them were, were, Afri- were Afrikaans, and, and we would say that the Afrikaans people are the Buddha, they live in the Plataland, and then the rural areas, and then the English arrogant bastards, that we call them, <laughs> lived in the city. And then a few years ago, actually, uh, um, my wife worked here for, for a year, because she's a comp, she was an OT, and she was a comp surf at Great Town. So we actually got engaged in KZN, so this is my, my romantic Roots are here in KZN. And, we, and, I, and I realized, wow, but these people are so incredibly pure. And then I just found um, a bunch of guys that has the same kind of purity all together. And the way that they speak about their wives, it's like, hey, I love, I love my wife. Oh, yeah, and we need, to, um, we need to, hey, guys, if we go back home. Last night I was just overhearing this conversation. When we arrive back at home, we need to put business behind us. And we need to be able to focus to our children because we love our children, we love our, love our wives. So I didn't come in here to change direction. All I, I had to do is just, hey, you guys are already on your way. Just now go all out, go all out. There's anointing, there's a purity of heart. And the Bible said, blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. And your men will see God, even to, in a greater extent that they're currently seeing God. So I'm so excited to see what God's going God's gonna to do. So I want to just carry on with what we've been talking um, about on the, on the camp. So we've, we've tried to take ourselves on this journey of getting into a promised land. And we looked at um, a 
Psalm 95, at the end of Psalm 95, it talks about the, the Israelites not being able to enter into the promised land because of two, two things, and it was actually two heart conditions. The one was the heart, hearts that went astray and the hardened hearts. So we, when we think of, when we read Exodus and Genesis, we think that it's because of disobedience. In other words, sin. Then the psalmist then explains to us it's actually because of the hardened heart that they couldn't get into the promised land. So to, to take people into the promised land, which represents everything that Jesus died for, freedom, because we're talking about freedom, being a disciple, everything that Jesus died for, we need to get our hearts healthy. We need to, we need to ask the Lord to get into our hearts, to heal our hearts, to heal us of pain, heal us of hurt, heal us of all the nonsense, so that we can, we can be in this promised land, which is everything that Jesus died for. And this is an incredible place to be. And this is our inheritance in Jesus Christ. So if you are in Jesus, the, in the spiritual realm, you're already taking up this place. But the world and the devil wants you to stay over here, which is suffering, stress, anxiety, fear, no breakthrough. But in the spirit, which is the higher reality, because we are created in spirit, we are created in the image of spirit, so we are, we are spirit. And in Jesus, we are taken into the spirit. We are born again. So this is we're already living in our spirits. But often in our, in our soul dimension, in our fleshly dimension, we, we still find ourselves here. So we had to we had a through just opening our hearts to God. God was, was, was pulling us into this environment that's already into this promised land that was already ours. It's already yours. It's like you just need to swipe the card. You already have the card, but we're not swiping the card because somehow there's a disconnect in our arm. Arm doesn't want to swipe the card. Some ladies are really good at swiping the card. <laughs> but not in this church, I know. So you guys don't. Ladies are amazing, after what I heard over there on the camp. Great. So, so if, you think of, if you think of discipleship, then, we th- then I think of 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. It's say Paul speaking to his congregation, and he's saying, um, the church in Corinth, he says, follow my example as I follow, as I follow Christ. So Christ opened up this new world. He said, I'm coming from heaven and I'm bringing my country, I'm bringing my world to you. So Christ is already living in this kingdom. And Paul is saying, if you want to be a true disciple of Christ, you need to follow me as I follow Christ. So Paul is following Christ and he's getting exposed to this new world. And this new world is a relational world where you have access to the king. We have the resources of the king. We have access to the inheritance because you are royalty and you're a son or a daughter in this world. So if we're thinking of discipleship, then we need to position ourselves where we follow Jesus' example. In other words, we need to be familiar with what the Bible says Jesus did and what he said and what he taught. So, and then, then there's another party that's involved. We need to Get other people, and I, think, I love that's what Sven was getting to. He's saying, okay, guys, so we are following Jesus. We followed Jesus over the weekend, getting into this journey, and, and we want to get other people also on board because we want to be like 
follow me as I follow Christ. And to do that, you need confidence. Who of you will be able to confidently tell all the people in your sphere of influence, follow me as I follow Christ? Who of you would be able to do that? I, I will be able to do that because I, I, had, I had suffered from this, from this very, it's like a religious illness. It's called false humility where you're like, okay, I don't want to downplay myself. I want to, don't want to stand out because I know if I stand out, I'm definitely not going to be celebrated. And in our Afrikaans community, the worst thing that you can say about anybody is he's windgat. Do you know what windgat means? Okay, I'm not allowed to say it back in home, but I'm allowed to say it here because you guys are English. Okay, windgat is actually not, a, not the best word. So I never wanted to be windgat. So I never wanted to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. But if you follow, if you follow the scriptures and you follow what Jesus is saying, we need to be able to say, Everybody in my sphere of influence, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, follow me as I appropriate this world, this promised land, through faith into my life. Because this is already what Jesus paid for. So I, I spent a lot of time walking in front of the guys telling him, this is what we have. This is what Jesus died for. But we're still living over here. And then I went back. This is what Jesus died for. So... If, if Jesus paid the ultimate price and we're unwilling to accept that, what are we doing to what Jesus did? What are we doing to him? But if we follow, follow him and we can then extend the grace that Jesus extended to us, to other people in our sphere of influence, look, think of the kind of virus that we're going to spread, the, the, the influence, the impact that we're going to have. So, and, and most of you can actually say this. You can say, follow me as I follow Christ. I was looking at the guys in, on this camp. I'm like, yes, can we bring you to, we'll bring you, we'll put you in the school there at George, and we'll put you in that family, and we'll, we'll use you for that, and we'll put you in that business community. And all you need to do is just tell people to follow me as I follow Christ. Because I, I see this in you, but do you see this in you? Because somehow we've been, we've been, Looking at how in this world we've been looking at what we don't have, what we are lacking, instead of what we have as a son of God. So a key area that we looked at was just the heart. But to create context for, for how the heart then influences this journey where we take other people along. And by the way, the end goal of, of discipleship is not that somebody follows you. The end goal is that somebody then gets connected to the Lord who again says, hey, you know what? I had this example and this guy always pointed me to Jesus. Now, I follow that person, but now I'm following Jesus. Yes, and I'm still in accountability relationship with this guy, but I want you to follow me. And then it goes like wildfire. So the context for, for the heart is in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. I don't think it's up on the screen. I quickly want to just go there. And, and it speaks of, of we are created in, in, uh, in three parts. It speaks of that we, that we are created in, in, in three parts. Um, 23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify through you through and through. You know what? God has this desire to sanctify you. And he's looking at three things. 
May your whole spirit, your spirit, so we are created in the image of God, so we carry the image of God. We are spirit when we are born again. Our spirit's already in the promised land. We're already in the fullness of the kingdom. And we can access that. Sometimes you must just look inside of you rather than, hey, I am lacking. No, your spirit already, if you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of you, you already have everything that you need. Somebody said, if you want to hug, hug God, then go and hug somebody else. Just hug yourself. Because if God lives in you, then you're going to hug God that way. I think it's powerful to think of that we are already, we're not lacking. So whole spirit needs to be sanctified. Soul needs to be sanctified. And body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. So um, when, I was, when I was younger, I was, I was taught that the, the spirit carries the image of God, but not necessarily the soul, not necessarily the body. But if you think that we are the whole creation, when Adam and Eve in their fullness as human beings were created, they were created in the image of God. So your spirit carries the image of God into the very essence of who God is. And that is like your, my mother-in-law calls it the Levihesis Chaikis, that receive the spirit, that receives Jesus. But your soul carries the image of God. And your body also. And it says here that at the coming of the Lord, those three areas need to be blameless. Okay, so we're just quickly going to look at a diagram up there. Um, the next one. Great. So the spirit for me is, it's like your blueprint, the blueprint of your identity. Romans 8 talks of our spirit with the spirit of God confirms that we are sons of God. So it's this blueprint. And now when we receive the Holy Spirit, that blueprint gets activated. And now we know who we are. Without Jesus, you will never, never, never know who you are. But when the Holy Spirit comes and your spirit connects with your maker spirit, then you know who you are. And then we look at the soul, it's will, personality, mind. This is actually also what, what psychology would say. So mind's reasoning, thinking. And then an area that we often neglect in church, and that's where the heart comes in, is a subconscious mind. So it's your beliefs, your emotions, your memories, and your attitudes. So Often in church, we focus on, hey, we need to uh, renew our thinking, renew our reasoning. Uh, we need to look at the decisions we make, our will. We look at our personality. But the things that actually influences us are the subconscious mind. Like we talked about, some of you, if I tell you that God is faithful, you would say, yes, God is faithful. And then I would ask you, but in your situation, does he feel faithful? And you'd say, no, because your, your conscious mind says, yes, according to scripture, he's always faithful, but your subconscious, in other words, your experience and the way that your belief system was, um, was formed because of your experience, it doesn't agree with the reality in your mind. So our, we have a heart problem. And that, that's why I believe the psalmist said, that's why they didn't get into the promised land. They have a heart problem. And this is what psychologist says. This is the most powerful part of, of your soul is this beliefs, emotions, memories, and attitudes. And we also said, hey, guys, we often say at the men's camp, we often say we're not emotional. Then, we, then I used a couple of examples. says, hey, look at this. This is very emotional. We are so emotional. And we often make decisions. We say we make decisions on, on thinking and analysts and being analytical, but it's not true. We're so emotional often. Because this has not been healed up, our emotions, memories, and attitudes. 
So then I felt God taking me to Romans, Romans 10. And how do we get, how do we get saved? Romans 10, 8 and, 8 and 9 and 10. It says, The message is very close at, at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart, in your heart, in your heart. And that the message is the very message about the faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it speaks of how do we get saved? We confess with our mouth, the New King James says, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, you say, when you say something is your Lord, it means everything belongs to that person. It's a complete surrender. And that's how, how all of us get saved. And then the second part is we believe in our mind. No, we don't believe in our mind because that's, that is secondary to the subconscious mind. It is we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. So that belief that he raised him from the dead means that he is the ultimate power in this world. And then we get saved. And, and the scripture tells us that we get born again. In other words, our spirit gets renewed. So the heart became, becomes the door through which God can activate the blueprint in your spirit, through which you understand who you are, understand your purpose. And then from there we can go. But we've been good at theology, we've been good at doctrine, but we've so been terrible at emotional healing, terrible at looking at the heart, terrible at sharing from our, with our emotions. Even with God, the way that we pray is like, hey God, I want this, or God, you are great, which good theology and praise and all that is, is great. But when my, when my kid comes home and I ask her, my eldest daughter is very reserved, I ask her, how was your day? She would often just say, it was great, Dad. And like also, I did the same. I committed the same sin to my parents. So just say, lekker, mama, it was not lekker. And they're like, oh, can't explain me, tell us. But if my, if my girl comes home and she's like, she's dad, I had a, his maths were great. I love maths. But wow, when I, piano lessons didn't go that well. I, I wasn't well prepared. And I, I felt like so insecure and I felt, I felt weak in that moment. And then during break time, I had this friend that didn't want to play with me. I, I, was, I was heartbroken. But yeah, at the end, I, I, we, we, we had a conversation. I feel, I feel better now. Who's the one that I will feel closest to? The, the second one. But somehow we, we don't learn to communicate with God in that way. So even some of you would know, like coming to me over the weekend, say, hey, but I don't experience God. I don't experience God in, 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 in my physical being. And by the way, God wants you to experience you in, in, in your physical being. And I would just say, hey, but just talk to me emotionally. Talk to me from your emotions. Tell him exactly how you feel. All the time, all, keep on going, go, 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 go. That's because that's how, how you, open your, open your heart to God. And that's, that's the start of freedom. So the way that I arrived at this is through the deliverance ministry. So I was getting a lot of people and my dad's, my dad's a duomini, so I'm Dutch Reformed Church, very conservative. My grandfather's duomini, my dad has four brothers, three of them are duominis, and the one that was a teacher is also in the ministry. So we, are, we got the Bible and the purity, we got them together. It's like, and 
grew up with, with that kind of environment. Never had, had a really good experience with my dad and love and, and all of that. So then my dad um, had an encounter with a demon, a neighbor look, living next to us, normal Afrikaans lady. There was a demon screaming through her, and we're like, wow, this is so weird for a Dutch Reformed congregation to experience this kind of thing. And uh, so we have had all these, these encounters. I, uh, I, when my dad invited me to a camp, I prayed in tongues next to a guy who was manifesting, Peter, also Afrikaans, Burki. And uh, he, as I prayed in tongues, he turned to me and he, screamed at me and I'm like, wow, God is not out there, but he's in here. Wow, 19 years old, I'm powerful because Jesus is in me. Because then I realized I'm over here. So then these people started coming for deliverance. They started coming for, hey, um, I'm, I'm struggling with this, whether it's, um, whether it's ancestral worship or addictions or just weird sexual things or depression. And, and, and you, a lot of demons would go. But then every, every now and then you would just really, really struggle to get these people free. Or they would come and they would achieve deliverance and, and they wouldn't be free. And you know that those things left. And then I realized, but, and through just studying the scripture, wrestling with the Lord, but that's because the heart that was unhealthy still. Because the heart opens up, it's a door for God to send in His Spirit so that your blueprint gets activated. So I still love the demons going out and I still go after that because that's, that's, that's great because that's a, where God is and that's what Jesus said. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead and drive our demons. That's, that's a, the mandate that's been given to all of us. That's part of, part of church. It's sad the other day somebody came to me and wanted to, um, wanted to counseling and and stuff, and we took him through counseling, and uh, we identified a few things, and then a demon manifested, and he was so freaked out. He was—he grew up in the in church for don't know how many how many years. He was faithful, but he has never seen a demon, so he f- completely freaked out and never wanted to come back. Never. Why? Because the church have neglected the spiritual realm, and we've said, hey, maybe we'll do it in a corner behind the behind the church. Or maybe where nobody knows. Nobody's not to know. And, and we need to bring it back. And I know you guys are, are really contending for walking into the supernatural. But it starts with healthy hearts. We need to heal our hearts. And, um, and this is, this is our, our freedom. Our freedom works. Okay, so I'm going to just quickly take you through a process that I... I shared with the guys on how the devil's trying to destroy you, okay? Because it's good to know the devil's strategy so that you know, okay, if that is the devil's strategy, then I'm, I'm going to counter that by spending just more time with the Lord and understanding who I am, am in Christ. So there's a, okay, so people come to me and the first thing, I would ask them, hey, what do you need freedom from? They would say, I need freedom from pornography, masturbation, the this, this sin stuff, addiction, smoking, alcohol, um, cheating on my wife, whatever. I need freedom from that kind of thing. And then that's all in destructive behavior. But then I realized that's not where the deception started. Then you realize, but the deception actually started when the devil hurt their hearts when they were young. So he caused a traumatic experience. Whether your parents got divorced 
or you got molested, or your friend, your best friend rejected you, your mother wasn't there, or she was smothering you, or your dad was unaware of your, your um, desire to feel loved and to hear the words, I love you. Those are traumatic experiences. And, and the impact there is in the heart. It's in your heart. And because of, of that, for instance, if your parents got divorced, and a guy, he, the big lie that he believed that it was his fault. It was his fault. But how, if, if you from the outside looking at, how can a little child of three years old, how can he cause a divorce? No, it's the parents that decide. And they often feel like, my parents didn't love me enough to actually stay together. And, and by the way, if you, if you got divorced, God... I've seen so many people getting healed after divorce because they've taken care of their hearts and they're beautiful second and even third. There's a, there's a couple now that's getting married that's going for their third marriage and it's beautiful because they've walked this process of healing. So you believe a lie, I'm rejected, I'm not loved. And, and because of that, that specific guy, he suffered overwhelming emotions whenever he's in an intimate relationship. So he couldn't have make friends. His friends are like, I want you to be you. You're amazing. You're incredible. And he's like, no, but I just can't get myself to trust you. And every time he's in a friendship relationship, he becomes anxious. And some of you would be able to relate to this. And because of that, he went into destructive behavior, which included drugs, but also included isolating himself. So he's just so independent, great at doing everything on his own. That's destructive behavior. So we only want to fix the addictions, we want to fix the, all, all that, but it actually starts with the traumatic, ex- the traumatic experience that was the devil was hurting your heart. Great, so we are passionately pursuing the health of the church's heart. And I'm doing it with my kids. So the thing that I'm praying over my kids almost every night is I say, Hey, God, if there's anything that hurt them in their hearts today, because I can see it, 50-year-olds, and I'm like, okay, where did this rejection thing start? And then like, four-year-old, five-year-old. So you've been, for the last 50 years, you've been creating habits that's protecting your heart or keeping God out of your heart. Hey, you can get healed from this. And it's like, often like that, but often it also takes time because people now need to relearn their brain, relearn their their subconscious mind, their belief systems, take on the renewing of the mind is so important in, in that context. So I pray over my kids, say, if there's anything bad that happened today, Lord, I ask that you heal them. And if there's anything that they've done that's, that's bringing shame on them, then I ask that you forgive them and that you remove, remove the shame. Because the most powerful, just in the demonic world, demons are not the addictions. It is rejection it is abandonment. It is everything that goes against love. So God wants to love His church, but we are unhealthy in our hearts, so therefore we can't experience His love. And He's a father. He's like, I want to know exactly what your school day looked like. I want to know exactly. But you are so scared to communicate with me because firstly, you don't know who I am. How much I love you. 
how much I want to get involved with you. How much I've paid the price for all your sin and all your shame and all your insecurities and all your nonsense. And now you're beating yourself with a stick saying, I'm so bad, I did this and this and this and this. And Jesus said, well, I paid for this. I paid with my blood. And all God's heart's desires, I just want to love my people. For Jesus so loved the world that he sent his most precious son. He loved us. So I was, uh, when I was just posturing, I, I went to the Lord and said, God, because I, I think I was reading a Rick Joyner book and he had these massive revelations. I don't know if you, uh, Final Quest, I think the book's name was, it was this massive, incredible stuff that, that he saw in visions. And I asked the Lord, God, give me an incredible revelation. And I was sitting next to a river there in, in Stellenbosch and I just felt the Lord saying, I love you, 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 I love you. And it was really irritating because he just kept on saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And, and I love the big stuff, but it's actually the small stuff, the things that we know that's actually changing. Okay, so we're going to do a little exercise that we did at the camp also. We, do we have... One and a half minutes to left. Okay, okay. Can we, can you guys close your, or maybe just open your eyes. I need you to explain, give you a, a story. That's a story that I didn't share. And, uh, um, so there's a girl with us and um, she was in a situation where her friends, listen to this, her friends conspired to rape her. I'm like, what kind of friends? So, but this, it's, it's all over. If, if you ask people, tell me your worst day, or tell me the worst story, those things, are, those things come up. We have a lady in our church who has been raped by a dad, and God's healing her currently. We have, we have a girl in our, in, our, in, our, in our heart, and this is affluent families. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about all, every, whether it's broken families, Wealthy families happens in all the house, and then there's a, another lady in our church. She was um, her dad gave uh, rape drugs to her friends, and then eventually raped them and put put it on online. These are the things happening in our communities. So that's why men are so important. I was telling the men of, of a lady who I spent time with, and I said to you, and she was coming from a horrific situation. Really, it's it's. Horrible stuff that happened in life. And I asked her, who do you trust? And she said, she trusts me because she see, sees Jesus in me. And I'm very thankful for that. And I say it with humility. And I, wow, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And then I said, but who's the other person? She said, there was a pastor every now and then, once a week, he would walk past me in my neighborhood. And he would just tell me that, or he would just start have a conversation with me. I'm like, wow. You trust that person because he just made the effort to have a conversation with, with you. So let's start a men's ministry where we go into the streets and we just talk to girls and say, hey, how are you? How was your day? And then we'll change. We will get trust back for them to eventually trust the Father. Okay, so is this fine if I talk about rape in, in this church? Okay, is it fine? Sorry, I know it's quite, but it's very real. Um, unfortunately, it's, 
it's so it's so common. The rates rape statistics are lying. It's and that's why it's actually it's a, there's an urgency in, in me for us to stand up and do something about it. So they conspired and and she was and God took her back to very similar to what Mark shared, back to um, this setting where um, because a friend then eventually came and said, get out, get out. You need to run as fast as possible. One of her male friends, her boyfriends, because they want to rape you through the window. And she went back to that and she was horrified. She said, just experienced all the emotions. And then Jesus showed up next to this friend, telling the friend, telling the friend that you should share it with, you should get out of here. And because of that, she could trust the Lord. Because of trust is such a big thing. And she's like, hearts open. Holy Spirit can come in. The blueprints are activated. I know who I am. And then fear and all those things went. Demons went. The stuff that we've been trying for so long. And in one moment of God's love into her life, changed her. Her eyes lightened up. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. That's what he can do. 